Would you rather start a job in an industry that you know nothing about? Or would you rather have a conversation with someone cool and knowledgeable first? My name is Becca McCarthy, and I realized I had amazing friends who were willing to open themselves up and share the ins and outs of their industry. I'm taking informational interviews to the next level so that you can learn more about an industry while expanding your network. My best friends become your best friends. But what makes these friends so great? They're successful, and they continually define success as they grow in themselves and their careers. Their path may not be your path, but these successful besties have insights and experience to get you started. Today, I'm talking with Clinton Nellist and Dennis Luchitian of Road to Employment. They'll be sharing their experience and how they fell into career development and where it's taking them in the future. Let's go! This is your successful best friend. I am your host, Becca McCarthy, and I'm here today with my two very successful best friends and team players on this magical journey that I call life, Clinton Nellist and Dennis Luch... Oh my gosh! Dennis Luchitian. You think after knowing you for so long, Dennis, I'd be yeah, able to say your name. Yeah, this is just awkward, Becca. <laughs> Super awkward. <laughs> so, everybody knows you, Clinton and Dennis. Um... You guys founded and continue to run Road to Employment. Can you just, like in a, like a sentence, sum up what Road to Employment is? Glenn, why don't you take this one? For sure. Road to Employment. Oh, God, now I'm on the spot and I don't know. <laughs> I, keep doing, I keep doing stuff in post. I'm much better live. Okay. Road to Employment started as a documentary. Dennis and I both met at the University of Victoria. We had a very challenging time leaving school finding jobs, finding our jobs relevant. And we kind of looked around and saw our friends really struggling with school to work transition and decided to go on this cross country tour filming this documentary called Road to Employment. The documentary is now online and it's been pretty exciting filming, meeting all these really cool people in the career development industry and talking about actual advice for youth to help them really do this transition better. So I'm, I'm sure that you two both have like a very torrid past, um, but I really want to talk about like how all three of us came together. Uh, and I know that we all have a different story as to, to how we met each other. Um, does anybody want to go first or I can jump right in and just start telling my story? I can jump in. Um, I don't know if it's very much going to be story-esque, but I just remember Lemonade Day. I think that's when we really started working together <laughs> yep. as a as a team. And, you know, when Clint and I approached you to join Road to Employment, it was the decision was largely based off of the fact that we worked together before and I knew how uh, dependable you are and how you had so many great ideas and the go-getter attitude like we did. And so, you know, you were the first person that we thought of that we need to bring onto the team because it's been awesome working with you. Uh, and Lemonade Day was a really cool project to work on together. I'm really great. Yeah. You That's are, absolutely is. are. This is really great. And just, just, just to great. give you guys a little bit of background, for the people who don't know what Lemonade Day is, I was unemployed at the time. This is, this is 2013? Yeah, summer of 2013. I'm unemployed, recently graduated, and Bachelor's of Commerce program with his partner, Sean, and they're working on this really cool thing called Lemonade Day where they're teaching entrepreneurship to grade school children, grade six, seven, eight, kind of teaching them how to run a lemonade stand and how to learn entrepreneurial skills. 
But before they could launch their business or this venture, they wanted to go do some market research. They were going to go down to the park and ask some parents if they they would sign up their children for Lemonade Day. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing anything right now. You mind if I <laughs> tag along with you guys? And they said yes. And that's kind of how I got involved in this project. And Becca, how did you get started with Lemonade Day? So you you weren't the only person that has like no nothing to do with this course that Sean and Dennis were taking for their BCom courses. Um, Sean uh, Weber and I met like years ago when we were in Students in Free Enterprise now in NACTUS, which is a, a global entrepreneurship program. Um, I had mentally abandoned the history department because everybody is just boring and not as much fun as I am. And so um, I started making a lot of friends in business just because I felt that I connected with them a lot better. And Lemonade Day was a project that Sean had from day one, like right after we started talking about trying to do a TEDx event, he was like, yeah, and then I really want to do this Lemonade Day project. And then like three years later, Sean's like, I'm in this class and we have to do an entrepreneurship project. We're doing Lemonade Day. Becca, I need you to help me with this project. I'm like, isn't it a class project? <laughs> like, are you going to get graded for work that I'm going to do? And he's like, yeah, but you're going to feel real great about it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And we're going to help children. Yeah. I mean, like the second you get like, we're going to help anybody in, at all involved, then I'm going to go be there helping just as hard as anybody else is helping. Um, but then we met, we met, I met, I specifically remember meeting Dennis at a Starbucks in Uptown back in Victoria. And I remember sitting there being really, really cranky because I don't like sharing things and I don't like sharing projects. And Sean was trying to convince me that like doing this was a good idea and he had to do it as part of his program and as part of his class. And I'm like, you don't need anyone but me. I am a beautiful butterfly who can drag this project out of the muck and mire and make it the best thing ever. And he's like, I'm sure you can, Becca, but I need another person to help me. <laughs> so there it was. You were excellent. You passed you passed my super judgmental test, Dennis. I feel so honored. It's, I know. It's truly, truly a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so now, now that everybody knows how how we got together and 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 your your journey on your own road to employment, how, how was it that you that you chose to make a documentary about career development in particular? Well, it was very relevant at the time. I mean, both Clint and I left school. We transitioned out of it. We were living together at the time in the same house. Got to see each other's experience with the post-graduation life. Got to see what happened to our friends. It was a little bit shocking. I know it was a tough time for myself dealing with trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. I had a job. I didn't really connect with the job. I had a lot of questions about why I was going through the roller coaster of feeling like I wasn't doing what I want to be doing. And it was it, it was very relevant and a good prop of mine put it in perspective that, you know, we weren't the only ones going through this and we should really look in, more into why this is happening and what's, what can be done about fixing it. 
But isn't there, like, a sexier industry than career development? Isn't there something else that is more interesting that you would have wanted to make a documentary about? Why did you continue working in career development instead of, I don't know, um, taking what you learned and going back to work? That's actually a great question, Becca. And it's funny because I definitely stumbled into this field of career development. I thought Road to Employment was going to be me kickstarting my film career. I'd always really enjoyed doing films and working on multimedia, and I still am to a large part. That's why we're developing this podcast, and we are constantly creating videos. But I definitely found a home in kind of doing this whole school-to-work transition, talking about employment, sharing advice, and especially the last four months, I was living in Gatineau, working out of the Canadian Career Development Foundation. They were headquartered in Ottawa, working with Serena Hopkins and her team over there, and truly got a sense of what it actually means to work in this industry and be in career development. And I got to say, I'm hooked. Like, I do. I want to keep progressing and growing and learning more about all these sorts of things. And definitely, I thought Road to Employment was a jumping-off point in a totally different direction than I am right now. Yeah, I got to say, the, the people who took us in especially during the hardest times of the project, the uh, the road trip and the, you know, learning the industry, learning the information. That's, I think, one, was one of the biggest selling points for myself. I mean, these people, the career development industry professionals, are amazingly friendly. They've been nothing but helpful. And I've never felt so welcome in an industry before. And it's it's so hard to say, oh, you know, I'm going to leave that behind and chase something I don't know and don't understand. So this, it's, it's been interest, very interesting learning more about this and kind of what it takes to, to grow here and what this is all about because it's, it's something very, very important in, in, our, in, in Canada right now. Elementary school, middle school, high school, and post-secondary, how much career development did you learn during that time? There may have been attempts, but the spaghetti never stuck to the wall. <laughs> I never really, it never really resonated with me. Like there was planning 10 that any British yeah. Columbia student had to do. And yeah. I have an excellent story about this. Oh yeah, go. go. So I was, I'm, I am one year older than Clinton and Dennis. And I was the first year that planning 10 was a, a thing in BC's education curriculum. I protested and refused to do it. On so many levels, I sat down with the curriculum with a, the teacher who was the head of Planning 10, and I circled everything that was irrelevant and, like, just stupid, or things that I was already doing anyway that I didn't think that I needed paperwork to justify. What a rebel. I've just... I know, I know, I'm so badass. I do things like complain the whole time. Did you at least have a cause? Um, was there, like, this burning you know, passion inside that made you go, you know what, I, this is the reason why I'm doing this. I mean, like, it was mostly just, it was mostly just because I was so upset that um, my friends, most of whom were a year older than me, didn't have to do this. And that planning 10 took up a whole block and a whole uh, class time that I could be doing to do theater and music. And so I was really angry and resentful about that. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I ended up doing it, though. Um, I still really think that it needs a whole lot of work. And I, I'm sure that it's changed since I've been there. Um, but 
yeah, not not much of it stuck with me. My my main complaint was that why are you giving us this information in grade 10? I want this in grade 12. Can I please take planning 10 in grade 12? But you always get this information. Sorry to yeah. cut you off, Dennis. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I think it's to help us begin thinking about that stuff, especially since you be, kind of begin, play, you know, taking choosing courses in grade 10, 11, 12, and that's supposed to, you know, prepare you for specific post-secondary routes and whatnot. But yeah, like Clint said, I, I, I honestly think this should be in, intertwined with subjects all throughout your education. So you can understand why you're learning what you're learning, how you can actually apply this to your life, what does this lead towards. Because I, I, I know when I learned biology, for example, I didn't know what that would possibly, how that would possibly impact my life. You know, I dissected a fish. It was rotten inside. <laughs> I kind of cut it open. It was all gray mush. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I know what rotten fish guts look like. That's That's cool. That's going to be very useful, you know. <laughs> I never use that knowledge anywhere and yeah yeah and it's and you you haven't really wanted to pursue a career as a fishmonger no not really i guess you can say everything's a learning experience <laughs> but then do you need school uh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so what about post-secondary like we talked a lot about high school but what about our post-secondary experiences with with career development did you guys get any? Uh, coming from the business faculty, we had a lot of career stuff built into the curriculum because co-op is mandatory. So I did three semesters and I had to do workshops on networking and various different events that prepared me for the real world would have to interact with people and get and then really practice my networking skills, my interview skills, all this stuff. Whereas other faculties, I, they don't always put so much emphasis on those kind of things. No, and I'm, I'm a testament of that, too. I was originally in the science faculty, and I moved over to social sciences in my first year. And I remember sitting down with my professor because my parents were pretty concerned that I had shifted from science to social science. And they were like, Clinton, how are you going to get a job? Like, no one hires BAs <laughs> is yeah. kind of the stereotype that my parents were pushing. And so I went to my professor, and I sat down with them, and I'm like, what kind of jobs can I get with a degree in history or political science? And he was straight up, don't worry about it. You know, you need to focus on your grades right now. You need to, you're at university, you know, live, grow, develop. And that's definitely the stream that I did. I feel like I grew a lot personally. I grew up a lot. I was very immature when I was in school and I felt like through the whole process, I grew as a person, but never ever did I sit down and think where this is going to lead me on a career kind of trajectory? How am I planning my next steps? Never thought about that when I was- And where'd that get you, Clinton? It got me, <laughs> it got me somewhere <laughs> I didn't want to be. And I was working at my local mall in like a sales rep role, which you didn't need a bachelor's degree for. I was working with a bunch of high schoolers and it was, you know, infuriating to a certain level. And yeah, certainly, uh, definitely, there was an amount of entitlement there, but I was really choked because I never really did any serious thinking about career development. And now it's kind of my goal to help other art students see this light a little earlier. Because as Dennis says, you know, a lot of business professionals, 
get this. You know, the business schools, they teach this. It's kind of bread and butter, but the arts is kind of a swing and a miss. And there's this idea still, and Becca, it'd be good to hear your opinion on this. There's this idea that that's the arts isn't about career. The arts is about, you know, expanding your mind and learning the classics. And I don't want to say that the institution doesn't value career education because all students, all schools do. If you are a school administrator or you're a teacher, you understand that there's life outside of school. But not all the times do the students truly understand that fact. Yeah, I, I'm I'm unique in that I went into. Well, I'm I'm probably not unique in that in this. You're but, super unique, Becca. Um, you're a very unique snowflake. I'm. I I mean, yeah. I'm I'm the angriest happy person I know. <laughs> um, but the I, I started school knowing that I would graduate and not have a job and that it would not be in anything that I studied and that I should just study what I love because then that will make school less difficult for me. And, and I did that and I studied what I loved for three years and I completed all the requirements for my degree program. And then I was left with all of these electives that I didn't want to take. And so like, I just, I just channeled that frustration and so I just sort of threw myself into into volunteering projects and um, trying to help the world. Having come out of all of that, I'm still like really struggling trying to finish my degree just because it's it's literally, oh my gosh, you guys, it's just about electives now and I can't do it. I can't do electives. Can life be an elective? Can we make life be an elective? <laughs> I've survived in the <sighs> real world for six months. Give me my 1.5 credits. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, the same amount of time that it is in a semester. Like, I, I did so much more. I, I, I ran a TEDx event. I, I did, I was still doing full-time theater my first two years of university so I was still like working a full-time theater job being up until three o'clock in the morning and then going to school for a class at eight thirty in the morning I think that's that's you know you're very right about that and the more I reflect back on my experience with university I wish I got more of that kind of experience diving into more projects uh, doing things outside of the classroom getting involved with people from other faculties and working on things together I only began to understand all those things probably by about middle of third year. And that's when I started getting involved in those kind of things. And I, I feel like the first two years was a learning experience to understand that. I wish I got more involved in the first two years because that's such a great environment to just test things out and fail and, and, and run different projects, meet a lot more people, work on new oh, things. Yeah. Oh, I have so many failed projects, man. <laughs> I have more failed projects than I swear, like Thomas Edison, yeah, half the time. It's important to note too, though, when you're talking about getting involved in post-secondary and getting involved in clubs and different projects and stuff, that you do it genuinely. And the reason I say that is, I got involved with the UPS, the Undergraduates of Political Science. I was their finance exec in my last year, and I did it because I knew it would look good on the resume. I did it so I could put it on there and, oh, finance exec. And I went to the meetings, but I never really raised my hand. And I never really, I helped organize things, but I never really got super involved. And I was there strictly for the title. And I feel like when I, in kind of correlation to that, when I was in the Mall United Nations Club, 
I love that. I went to the mixers. I hung up with the delegates afterwards. We actually became friends with each other. And it was that was a, such a more of a social circle. And I still hang out with those guys today. And even though I thought like, oh, well, this is just for fun. I never understood, man, I'm actually doing some like grade A networking right now where the UPS, where I thought was like, okay, this is, this is for my job, career development kind of thing. I didn't, I wasn't able to leverage it because I didn't really have buy-in, but I had buy-in with the UN and that's why it yielded positive results for me. So now that you have graduated, now that you are- Real world people. Real world uh, people. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you're, now that you're entrepreneurs, what is your, how is your life different than what you thought it would be? It's very chaotic. It's, it's, it's strange in the sense that I've, I've lived as a person who has a job. And then you have the regular paycheck and you do your nine to five and then you come home and you maybe have a drink at the bar and you watch some Netflix and then you go to sleep and then you rinse and repeat. Being an entrepreneur is pretty crazy. You set absolutely everything yourself, how much you work, when you work, what you do. And it's chaotic, yeah. especially when, especially in this business in roads employment, which is such a fluid, organic, constantly changing beast. It's been very challenging kind of creating a routine and knowing exactly what's going to happen the next day. Things are just always changing. It's, it's, it's chaos, <laughs> but in, in, a, in a good way. It is, and you have to manage, because the nature of our business, too, we travel a lot. And during those times that we are on the road, it is like, go, 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 fifth gear all the time. And then you kind of come home and you want to just crash and chill, but you're like, no, start working on these videos that I've been backlogging and working on scripts and actually kind of maybe doing some shooting and production. So it's, even though, you know, we have these super chaotic times where we're on the road and we're talking with people daily, when you come back to home base of Montreal, you can't take your foot off the gas even when you're at home and you're comfortable right and just it's finding that motivation to kind of keep on point and that's why I really appreciate having the team you know being able to talk with you Becca being able to talk with you Dennis what are we doing today what is each person responsible for and to me that's kind of what management is it's just kind of understanding all the moving parts and making sure that though there's like all these balls in the air you kind of you you are noting of all of them and kind of know where they're going to land and when and how and how frequently. So, so real quick, this is like the kind of first thing that comes into your mind, that kind of split, split, split second answer. Did school prepare you for everything that you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis? Yes. Not everything. Oh my gosh, Dennis and Clinton are two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And it's been so amazing working with them on Road to Employment. Starting this podcast has been one of the funnest things that I have done in 2016. And I mean, we're only three weeks in. But I'm not the only person who's podcasting on Road to Employment. Lindsay Flood's interview series, School to Work, discusses student expectations upon graduating to the realities that they face in the workforce. 
Hi, this is Lindsay for the Road to Employment interview series and podcast, where we are speaking with students and recent graduates on their school-to-work transition and how their expectations of life after graduation compare with the reality of what they are facing upon entering the workforce. I'm looking to interview students and graduates who can share their school and work experiences. If you have a story to share, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for more employment advice at roadtoemployment.ca. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after our short break to learn about what Clinton and Dennis did and did not learn from their university experiences that they are now applying to their life as entrepreneurs with Road to Employment. Dennis said, sort of, and Clinton said, no. Actually, I said yes. And I said not not, not everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, mixed messages on both ends. So so how, how did... How did university prepare both of you? And then we'll move into the things that university did not prepare you for. Well, considering I studied business and my specialty was entrepreneurship, I feel like that was something that was supposed to prepare me for this entrepreneurship lifestyle. Uh, A lot of it was theory. In practice, very, very different, especially, like I said, chaotic business model, chaotic lifestyle, chaotic uh, doesn't theory doesn't always apply so the practice itself is much more different than being in a classroom in a closed environment even when you're testing things out it's still very different than living this day-to-day for the year and a half that we've been doing it so i didn't i don't feel like i've been completely prepared and i don't think school can completely prepare you for the real life real world experience clinton how about you so going to the point where how did school prepare me (laughs) I would say it really helped me schedule. So I would say more, I'm going to talk about university more broadly and kind of what it means to live on campus. And the idea that you're away from home for the first time in first year, I was living on campus in the dorms. That's when I met Dennis. And in second, third and fourth year, I was living off campus. And I really, I had to schedule my classes, when those classes were going to be, when am I going to do my study groups? When am I going to do the readings? I had a part-time job at the time. So little known fact, I actually graduated with a double major in political science and history and a minor in business in four years. And I was able to do that not necessarily because I'm smart, but because I was able to really schedule all these courses very well. I I did four years of school back to back, even in the summers, and I just knew how to kind of plot out my timetable. And that kind of freedom of K and even being like, hey, what classes do I need to be at? (laughs) What kind of ones can I kind of sacrifice? And maybe I'll, you know, just catch up using the textbook. But just the culture of university really allowed you to manage your time very well. And that's something I really picked up from school and really learning what it means to be independent. Because as a student, you kind of are an entrepreneur in your own right, because you have to control your time and control what you do. So would you define yourselves as being uh entrepreneurial career developers or career developers who are entrepreneurs? I would define myself as an artist, honestly. And I'm a speaker. I'm a videographer. I talk about career development and I love the subject. And in order to be an artist in the 21st century, you have to be entrepreneurial. But I don't, I don't really identify with the label of being like a businessman. You know, the whole bottom line, maximizing profit. That's not what I, why I do what I do. Yeah. There are obviously 
they're conscious parts of everybody, anybody. If you're an entrepreneur or anything, you have to have a budget. You have to understand that you have to have more coming in than coming out because that's just we live in capitalism. But the, these aren't really labels that I would call myself. Like I don't really come up to a party and be like, yo, I'm an entrepreneur. How you doing? <laughs> How you do it? <laughs> do people still do that or is that just? <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> that's good. So Dennis, are you are you an entrepreneur? Do you, do you like that that uh, that tag? I guess that's the most appropriate tag. But I like to think of myself as self-employed, and because uh, entrepreneur strikes me more as you know you've created a business, now you kind of walk away and the business keeps rolling on its own. I we more so have to have hands on the business all the time, so it's more just you know we work for our own livelihood. We create films, we travel the country, we do presentations, and it's it's a very different lifestyle than kind of the typical entrepreneur, at least in my perspective. That's so interesting because because I don't I don't call myself a, like an artist or a career developer or an entrepreneur at all. I'm a freelancer. Yeah, does that resonate with you guys? It might, it might more so with me, just because, like, as an academic editor, I, I'm a f- contract freelance editor. Um, even though a lot of my blood, sweat, and tears have gone into road to employment, um, it's just, it's just not something that I can say that, that is mine necessarily. I, I think the. How does that make you feel? <laughs> How does that make me feel? This it makes it, it makes me feel fine because I am not somebody who should be in charge of other people I should only be in charge of myself and other people who are under the age of 10 <laughs> anybody over the age of 10 you're on your own and that's why you rocked at lemonade day that's yes that's why I rocked at lemonade day because all those kids are like this lady is our age <laughs> she knows what's up as artists and and entrepreneurs who work in the field of career development, what can we sort of expect from career development going forward? Is it an industry that you would encourage other students to to be involved in? Let's start here. What kind of chops do you need to have to be involved in the field of career development? You need to be a people person. You've got to be interested in working with people for the sake of their personal development. Because honestly, the whole the whole industry is about taking a unique individual through a journey of understanding who they are, what they're looking to do, because everybody is different. And you also have to be willing to continuously learn. This isn't something that, this is with every single industry, but even mostly with career development or career education, however you want to label it. You have to be always be willing to learn because the job market is moving very quickly right now. There's new industries popping up. There's new technologies popping up that are changing the way that we work every single day, every single year. It's going to be different, right? So you have to be continually motivating yourself and be curious. And as Dennis said, definitely you have to be a people person because at the end of the day, your job is to connect people. That's how I see it. And to wrap it up in a nice bow, I say, yes, young people should be thinking more about this because the industry doesn't have very many young people involved. So guess what's going to happen when, you know, we have our professionals in the industry retiring and no talent to fill the much-needed space. So absolutely, there's space for growth in this environment. There's space to get involved. 
I know from our personal experience as young people in the industry, we were very, very well supported. And there's definitely interest in having young people involved and growing. And it's very welcoming. So if you're looking for an industry that is going to be full of opportunities, this is definitely one to look into. And to bounce off of that, shout out to all of our education students right now. Because right now in Canada, there's a lot of people who want to be teachers. And straight up, there's a lot of competition in there, especially British Columbia, especially Ontario. There's teachers that aren't retiring. There's seniority issues. And this is a field that melds very well with career development. If you have a passion for teaching, if you like education, I highly recommend you look into career development because really career development is the bridge between school and work. Are you guys like the only young people in career development as professionals? Are, are we the only youth voice out there? No, not really. There's talent egg. And then there's, uh, I've met personally various people who do research or begin looking into this, but it, it's honestly, there's not that many young people in this industry. There's, there's not enough to like really supplement that kind of transition, that retirement transition. Definitely not. Yeah. We definitely need more young people. Dennis and I, we were keynoting ITA's Youth Day. And at 24 years of age, Dennis and I were the youngest people in the room at Youth Day. <laughs> Holy wow. Yeah. And the problem is we're only getting older. So... We're only getting older. Turn yeah. Ah! Let's get some new blood in the hair. We're going to still be making Friends references while everybody else is onto like Bob's Burgers and Game of Thrones. We know what floppy disks are. That says how old we are. <laughs> I went to school in grade school with a floppy disk and the PowerPoint took up all the space on the floppy disk. No PowerPoint <laughs> and Word document. You needed two separate floppy disks. <laughs> yup. I do not remember this at all. This sounds amazing. You did have that was like part of your school assignment. You know, like when they sent home the list of the things that you need. You know, binder, pencils, yeah. floppy disk. It was all the list. I totally. I did not get this kind of education. We just played cross country Canada and typed a lot. Uh, another funny story, I guess, seeing as we're on the topic of career development. When Dennis and I started our film Road to Employment, we, if you actually go back on the website and watch our trailer, we refer to it as post-secondary professionals because we were like, there's these people and they work in school (laughs) and they do things, but we don't really know what they are, but we know they're a part of the puzzle. And it wasn't until Edmonton where we were actually like, oh, you guys call yourself career developers, even though some of them call themselves career educators and others just career Career services. Yeah. There's a lot of different names, and I think that adds to the confusion of the fact that there's this field, and it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's confusing, too, because there's so many opportunities for, for like, freelance entrepreneurship work that you guys are doing, working in schools, in universities. Um, in government. Govern- government? Yeah. Oh, right. Government actually creates contracts, and you can bid on those contracts as a professional, so you can totally be a freelancer, self-employed. We know people who do this for a living. They make money off of making courses and teaching courses to adults and young people and all these kind of different things. And there is money and a lifestyle attached to it. So there are opportunities. A here. lifestyle? 
Yes. A lifestyle like a career professional. One? An entrepreneurial lifestyle. If you like traveling across Canada and coming to conferences and meeting like-minded individuals, yes, lifestyle. So, like, not is... like lifestyle, like Flava Flav's lifestyle. Not like two chains, no. No. That'd be a fun direction you, you not, could take it, though. You will not have the bling, and you will not be a rapper, but you uh-huh. will be nice people. <laughs> so, but what, what about what about road to employment going forward? Um Virtual employment is pretty slick. I would say we have a double chain lifestyle. We live life off the hook. We do. We be popping off all over this. What, what can we? <laughs> what can we expect from from road to employment in the field of career development going forward? I mean, I know the answer for this. It's kind of cheap of me to ask you guys, but well, we we want to be the youth voice in this industry. And Dennis says, of course, like we're not the sole voice. There are many other companies, but we have a really cool. Um, Really, we have a desire to create engaging multimedia. And this stems from my, I won't say like resentment because that's very strong, but I don't connect with books. I never have. I'm an auditory learner. So I love videos and I love podcasts and I love this century that we live in where everything kind of has a little bit of a blink and a blur to it. It's cool. And I want to bring it into the 21st century in a way that youth can relate to and really be that young voice. For as long as I remain young, which I guess, if we ask the government, needs another five years. What about you, Dennis? Well, we're currently in development of this virtual reality software. No. You had me going there for a minute. I was kind of stoked. I was going to be like this virtual... I, my brain was already there. So Road to Employment has created 90s virtual reality goggles. You put them on. You dial in a career. And it's like you're there. It's like you're there. Now that is straight out of Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> How can we do this? Can we patent this? Can we patent virtual reality career goggles? Let's get started. We need some tech people. <laughs> no, but in, in all serious, where do you see road to employment in, in the coming futures working in career development? The big part of it is, is definitely continuing the conversation. So I want to be traveling across Canada. I want to see this dream of the tour coast to coast again come true, where we actually partner with big organizations who want to begin having youth get involved in this topic and having them think about this and having to spread more dining room table conversation. I want to be able to get out there and share the message. I want to be able to share the things that I learned through this progress so that less young people are struggling with this than there were during our time and experiencing the frustration that we went through. And I know we can definitely do that. And I know there's gonna be a lot more of that happening throughout this year and in the future. You, you are not the company yourselves. I mean, you are, but as a, as a person, you have, you have a life and you have interests and, and you, you are young. You have like, I don't know, 50 more years until you're forced to retire. <laughs> Retirement. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's a real thing that, that you'll live to maybe. Um, Ouch. Can you, can you see yourself? <laughs> yeah, don't insult us, Becca. <laughs> I don't know. The world could come to an end. There could be a tragic cream of mushroom soup, soup accident. I don't know. Um. But where where do you see yourself yourself going as as a as a person in your life professionally, and how how do you feel that road to employment has already given you the skills that you need to 
to continue on in a career either behind a desk so if if that's what happens or um as a as a filmmaker so i'm i'm gonna try and use a basketball metaphor and i don't play basketball so that's my disclaimer okay but road to employment has really taught me that i have the ability at any time in my life that i can pivot and it always comes back to whenever i feel discontent or i want to move i have the ability to but going back to my basketball metaphor, which may or may not be legit, if I understand pivoting correctly, as soon as you start to pivot, you can't actually move until you pass the ball to somebody. So make sure to have people on your team. Make sure you have somebody to throw the ball to when you pivot and move together as a team. So I guess I'm talking about the business again. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> sever myself That's from okay. it. You did a way better basketball metaphor than I ever could. I, I realized when you were talking that <laughs> I've been playing okay. basketball wrong all these years. But yeah, um, personal goals, I do want to learn more. I want to get more theoretical training in career development. So I want to go, I'm, we're going to, Dennis and I are going to be attending Connexus in a few weeks. And there we're going to be meeting with the lovely Paula Wishoff Yorama, is the queen when it comes to certification and career development and making sure that everyone is super legit on paper. And I want to talk to her about how you do that. So maybe that will be a blog post coming out sometime in February about how you legitimately become certified because all of our knowledge that Dennis and I have is street cred right now. No academic backing. <laughs> yeah, we are oh, yeah. double chain career developers. We're so fancy. <laughs> you don't even know. Okay, but yeah, Dennis, what are what are your personal goals, man? Personal goals, you know, that's something that's always continuously shifting for me. But at the very core of things, I feel like through this project, what's happened is the building of confidence in terms of dealing with this shifting reality and the ability to make the proper connections with the people who can make things begin happening. And that means that, you know, if we, uh, we were able to succeed with this project, I know I can be able, I will be able to succeed with any project I take on. So regardless of the field, regardless of the industry, I know that I can build the right relationships with the right people who will be able to make things happen and make anything successful. So that's, that's kind of been my biggest learning things from, from this project and from this business. Uh, whereas the future, what the future holds, I think. I'm going to be spending a lot of time with startups and helping these things kind of things grow. And because I, I love seeing something come from very little to getting bigger and achieving successes, working with a small team, knowing who everybody is and making a thing out of that. And as we're talking about the future, I just got to say for the record, I don't see road to employment going away anytime soon. I am super jazzed for cool projects coming up. And I can see this being a brand and, and an organization that continually builds. And I want to face the problem of, okay, what happens when I'm now too old to be the face of this anymore? And how do we kind of transition? I don't want it to peter out before I get to that crossroad. That's my own goal. We got to pass the torch. We got to pass point. the torch at that point. But we got to carry the torch until that point. This is all beautiful, you guys. Aww. I feel like crying. You're beautiful. So beautiful. Beautiful. 
You guys are getting old and you're okay with it. Thinking about the thinking future. About the future. <laughs> thinking about our time in April when you're coming over here. Marielle. You'll, you'll upgrade. It's be still great. Because last time Becca went to Quebec, but she went to Gatineau. And this time she's going to come to Morial. Gatineau was great. Gatineau I got a croissant. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was kind of a slap in the face of Gatineau, Clinton. That's rather offensive to the Gatineau people. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm going to to wrap up our conversation here. Where can we find you boys on the internet? Well, you you find the search bar and then you type in road to employment.ca and that will take you all sorts of magical places where you can find really amazing employment advice and more of Becca's podcast and lots more very, very good things. But if you don't use URLs like most people, just Google Road to Employment. You'll see Facebook, you'll see Twitter, you'll see SoundCloud, you'll see our Kickstarter campaign. Obviously, you will find our website as well. We got Instagram and YouTube. too. And YouTube. How did I do Instagram that one. before YouTube? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm all up. I'm trying to do better at Instagram right now. I like Instagram. It's cool. Pictures, man. But YouTube still our bread and butter. Well, I'm very excited to to do that googling myself because I didn't know that we had that the Kickstarter was still up, and I want to see that again. I want to remind myself. And we're on iTunes. Oh. oh, yeah, you guys. Exciting on iTunes. Search Road to Employment on the Apple iStore, and you'll see us. We're that there. That was probably the highlight of my week getting that email. I knew that I had made it, and I knew that I could sit down and eat a cookie. Success cookies. Success cookies. So good. All right. Thank you very much, Dennis and Clinton, for joining me today. I hope to have you back soon. We'd love to be back. I'm excited about your next episode and hearing all the amazing conversations you have with all the most amazing people. Me too. And they're the most amazing people because they are my best friends. Aww. Our theme music is Best Friend by Lisa Crawley, an incredible New Zealand singer-songwriter. Check her out at lisacrawley.com. And we hope to see you on the internet. Bye. Say bye, guys. Bye. Can I propose a tagline? Yeah, what was tagline? As you just said that, I just had this in my head because you're saying these are all my successful best friends, but soon they will be your successful best friends. Stay tuned. Oh, it's kind of like I'm sharing my su- successful best friends. Exactly. Well, because that's what the podcast is called: your successful best friend. It's not called my successful. From my successful best friends to your successful best friends. Exactly. I'm Becca McCarthy signing off. Love it. Ah, beautiful. We can end there. That's just money. My best friend. Okay, we did it, guys.